Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the last in the book series of the Delicious Podcast, sponsored by Hive.co.uk with me, Jilly Smith. This week, I'm with New York Times and Bon Appetit food writer and social media superstar, Alison Roman, whose book Nothing Fancy is out this week. We'll get cooking with her in a minute, but as the whole series is about books, why not feel better about how you buy yours and go to the ethical online store, Hive.co.uk, which passes the commission on to your local bookshop. Here's how it works. Every order placed on Hive benefits the high street, because whether you pick it up in person or not, Hive will pass on the commission to the bookshop nearest to you. If you decide to pop in and pick it up in person, your designated bookshop will get that higher rate of commission. And chatting to real people isn't just better for us, but it's better for the high street as well, as it increases footfall right across town. I'll give you the discount code at the end of the podcast and you can search for at Hive Stores on Facebook or Twitter for recommendations and discounted offers and giveaways. Now, we first met Alison Roman back in July when she told us about what makes a recipe go viral after the extraordinary success on Instagram of some of her best recipes. Here she cooks me a lunch of a really simple butcher's steak with a Mexican-inspired salsa matcha of dried chilies and salted peanuts. But I began by asking her what she actually means by nothing fancy. The title came about when I was thinking, okay, what is this book about? It's about having people over, come over, I'm just roasting a chicken, it's nothing fancy. It was a phrase that just kind of tumbled out of my mouth very effortlessly, and I realized that that was the best name for the book, because it truly does embody the types of food that I'm making when I'm having people over, and the attitude that I want you to have when you're doing that too. Now, I know, I mean, listen, I'm just a food journalist, and people won't invite me around because they're terrified that I might cook something. That oh, will, I'll invite you. I mean, seriously, <laughs> do people come, do people invite you? They do invite me. Yeah. I mean, the way that my friends and I cook, it's highly collaborative. And by collaborative, I mean that I often end up cooking at my friend's house, even uh-huh. if it's not my own. But I think that also has a lot to do with me and my weird control issues of needing to cook everything. <laughs> but people are not as afraid to cook for me as you think. But I, I'm fortunately blessed with a lot of uh, creative and talented friends. You're going to cook something from the book. Tell I us am. what it is. So this is a butcher's steak. And butcher's steak for me, you know, in the States, it kind of just means a cut that the butcher recommends to you. It's also kind of become known as a hanger steak. There is a chance that, uh, you know, 
There's not that cut available, but you can use boneless short ribs. You can use strip steak, any kind of nice, quick cooking, tender meat. It doesn't have to be the most expensive. This isn't your T-bone or your porterhouse. This is, you know, a weeknight sort of nice, tender, easy, quick cooking steak. Nothing fancy. Nothing fancy. Yeah. And to kind of make it feel a little bit more special, we're going to make a sauce that goes over it. And in the sauce is uh, dried chilies, toasted nuts, garlic, vinegar, and oil. And this is based loosely on a dish that I had in Mexico, specifically in Oaxaca, that is called salsa matcha. And it is a condiment that you'll find on most tables. It is so addictive. I make it by the batch and I store it in my fridge and I put it on my eggs. I put it on my vegetables. I just dip bread in it. It is insanely good. So even if you don't eat meat, this salsa alone is worth making to put on chicken and literally anything else. Yeah. So... If I were doing, you know, anything else for this steak, it doesn't matter because the first thing I'm going to do is season it with salt and pepper because the longer that you can let your meat season, the better. Mm-hmm. If I were doing a giant steak, I would do this the day before, but because like I mentioned, this is kind of a thinner, quick cooking piece, I'm just going to season it with salt and pepper now and just let it hang out while we make the salsa. Okay. And I feel very posh because I'm using very nice flaky salt to season this, <laughs> but... We can use any salt. I like kosher salt. Do you guys cook with kosher salt here? Not really. We okay. don't have that. We don't have that kind of kosher culture unless you are actually kosher. Okay. I think you're much more integrated with your cultures in, in New York. I don't know. I, I feel like kosher salt, even if you're not kosher, that's just kind of the standard of the salt that we use. Oh, Whereas here, I think it's sea salt. You write for the New York Times, I don't do. you? Yes. As well as Bon Appetit. Yes. And will you be taking stories of London Town back to, to New York? I am sort of not that food journalist, but I, I think you're you're the real journalist. I'm more of a cook who writes, is what I say. Well, I mean, what you do <laughs> is you cook for the New York Times, don't you? So I meant, yeah. are you com- are you going to take a lot of ideas that you were inspired by from the places that you're eating at in London oh, while you're here? One hundred percent. I people ask me where do you get ideas from and. How do you stay inspired? And that is challenging, but I love to travel and I travel for work as much as I travel for pleasure. Um, oftentimes it's both. And I, that's kind of where I get all my inspiration and ideas. I think that, you know, each place that I've ever visited has offered me something really new and different and interesting that I wouldn't have discovered or thought about had I not gone there. And that can be a lunch I have at a restaurant or a snack that I've had at a market or a vegetable that I found. And you know, it's all extremely interesting to me. I think, especially living in a place like New York, and I don't know if you guys experience this here, but you kind of think, oh, well, we have everything. Mm. And we do. We have a lot, but we definitely don't have everything. And there is so much to be discovered all the time. And yeah. travel is the best way to do that, I think. So these giant red dried peppers, where, yes. where did you get these from? So these are from Borough Market, mm-hmm. and they are from a spice store. And Dried chilies are the kind of thing where they're not always going to be available at every grocery store. But what I like to do is if I'm not traveling to a place that has them, like if I go to Mexico, I'll bring them back with me. But you can order them online and they'll come to you and then you have them and you can even put them in the freezer. You can store them. And that way it's like when you want to reach for one, they're nice to just take one and put it in your pot of beans or a stew or something like this where you're using a whole bunch of them at once to make a salsa that's going to keep for you know a month or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and of course, Borough Market is yeah. one of those places which has absolutely everything in the world. But, you know, are you picking up anything from... The UK. Um, I love the restaurant culture here. I feel like you guys have some of the best restaurants in the world. 
and they're so enjoyable to eat at. And honestly, just experiencing the way that you guys eat. And it's very like yesterday I had a lovely little salad with two grilled langoustines and a glass of champagne. And that was my lunch. And I was so happy. And that is really how I prefer to eat. I like to have really fresh ingredients, really like bright, salty flavors, briny things. I love seafood. Um, and that's sort of a thing that I would love to bring back with mm. me because we, we're just not, we like seafood, but it's very regional. I mean, like, unless you're in a coastal town, um, it, it's just not part of your life okay. and a part of your culture. That's interesting. I suppose we do. Yeah, well, absolutely. We eat a lot of fish. But there's also a lot of restraint shown in British food, I feel like. There's, you know, things that typically I would expect to have a lot of acid or lemon or vinegar don't. And it's mm-hmm. intentional because you want to taste the lettuce. You want to taste the bread. You want to taste the butter. And that to me is really interesting. And I think that me personally, I gravitate towards really bold, intense flavors. Yeah. It could probably learn... A little bit restrained sometimes. <laughs> so you're putting some olive oil in. You're putting a lot of oil, mm-hmm, olive oil in. We're there. making a big batch. Okay. Yeah. So is that extra virgin olive oil? Yeah, but if I, you know, if I were cooking at home, I'd probably be using a neutral oil like a grapeseed or something like that. Okay. But you can use um, olive oil as well. Okay. So you're putting it onto um, a, a medium heat there. Mm-hmm. You've chopped your um, lovely big chilies, your dried chilies up. Yes. You haven't seeded them. No, I'm going to keep the seeds in because I like them spicy. These particular chilies, they're Guajillo and New Mexican chilies, they are very low on the heat scale. If you ate these dried seeds, your mouth would not be on fire. They're not crazy spicy. If you want really spicy, you can absolutely add a pinch of crushed red pepper flakes or something that's going to be a little hotter, chili to arbol. But this salsa is meant to kind of really highlight the flavor. And like, if you smell them even now, they smell really mm. fruity and mm-hmm. almost smoky. Yeah. It's not about heat. It's about flavor. It's, okay. it's about like that dried. It's almost, sometimes people will describe these dried chilies as almost having like a raisiny flavor mm. because it is a fruit and you're drying the fruit and the flavors concentrate. And what happens is um, they still need to have that toasted taste, right? So depending on how I'm cooking or what I'm doing these with, you can toast them separately in a skillet or in an oven to kind of take that raw flavor out. But I'm because going to make a salsa, I'm actually just going to toast them in the oil. Okay. So it's kind of like a two birds, one stone thing. Sure. So while that oil gets a little hot. Mm-hmm. So the idea of making a batch is just basically it's a little bit more efficient. Yeah, it's easier. I feel like if you're going to go through the trouble of doing it, just make a big batch yeah. and it's going to keep really well. And it's also, you know, because this is one of the rare occasions I'll ask you to use a blender. I'm not a fan of a blender or a food processor. Mm-hmm. I um, feel like you really want to make it worth your while. Yeah. And so I'm going to make a larger batch of it. If I were just, you know, doing half of this, you couldn't really fit it in a blender. You, have you ever tried to blend something that's a small amount? Drives you insane. Yeah, it just doesn't work. No, it does not yeah. work. It's almost saying don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, so yeah. if you're going to bust out your blender or a food processor, make it worth your time, make a big batch, and then keep it in the fridge. So yeah. I'm not – if I'm going to make a condiment like this, I need to make sure that it goes on a lot of different things. Mm. It can't be so specific. So this is – you'll see. It's quite delicious. Yeah. And good on everything. Now, one of the things that you are all about is about making life look Easy and beautiful. Yeah. Very stylish. And that's why you've got how many followers on Instagram? Oh, a few. I don't know. 4,000 because I checked it before I came. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, what do you think? What do you attribute that to? Um, you know, I think food is beautiful. I think food and ingredients and cooking is already gorgeous. I don't think that you have to try that hard 
to make something look nice. I think that once you realize that if you're cooking with, you know, they don't even have to be nice ingredients. They can be ingredients from a regular store. They don't have to be pristine, farm-grown, whatever, although that is nice if you can. But for me, it's really about, you know, kind of colors and flavors, but I don't ever create food just to look nice. And I think as soon as you start doing that, no one's going to want to cook it because yeah. chances are it's not going to taste that great. So I would never choose aesthetic over deliciousness, but I do think that for me personally, when I'm thinking of dishes and what I'm going to make for dinner, and I do think about how it's going to look and I do because I want to eat it. I mean, we want to eat beautiful things. Yeah. It's like a very animalistic thing, right? Yeah. I think that what I really picked up from looking through the book was um, things like a, a roast chicken with preserved lemons. Mm. You know, that's immediately, it zings <laughs> in my head. Yeah. I can taste it immediately. Mm-hmm. You use some really interesting ingredients, some of the, which I've never even heard of. Yuzu Kosho. Yeah, Yuzu Kosho. Tell us about that. So Yuzu Kosho is a Japanese uh, fermented chili paste, basically. Okay. Yuzu is the citrus that they use, and it is not – we can't really find it in the States. Some people grow it in California, but it's not easy to find. Um, but it is a citrus fruit that is used for the rind, and there's no real juice in it. There's some juice, but that's not why it's grown. It's not like a lemon. Yeah. But it has a really amazing citrusy, almost like bergamot – lemony grapefruit flavor it is just so unique and special and they take that fruit and then they grate it and they ferment it with green chilies it's also made with red but the i think the most popular one is the green chili with they ferment it with salt so not unlike a regular hot sauce or you know any other style in that uh in that way but it is funky and salty and bright and citrusy it's almost like preserved lemons that have been fermented and then turned into a paste with chilies. I've, I've tried to mimic the flavor of preserved lemon and it kind of works. But again, if you don't have a Japanese grocery store near you, you can absolutely find it online and it is delicious. Yeah. I put it in everything. And you say that you are a grocery, you say that you love shopping, but particularly grocery shopping. So did you go into your grocery store? Um, I should just say you're adding that um, quite not finely chopped garlic to the oil and the chili mixture. Yeah. It's Why just, is it so big? Just because we're going to puree it later. So if I were doing this by hand, if I were making a salsa that needed to be, you know, that I wasn't going to process later, yeah, um, I would probably, you know, cut it a little differently. But also the smaller the pieces are, the quicker they're going to burn. And I want to make sure that they toast and not burn. Yeah. And so keeping them in larger pieces is going to prevent that. Okay. And you've also chopped up um, the nuts. Can you use any nuts? I like to use either peanuts or hazelnuts, yeah. but I've also done this successfully with almonds, with pecans, um, any sort of harder nut. Walnuts are a little too soft and oily, but um, hazelnuts, peanuts are amazing in this. Okay, okay, good. And you can put all together, mm-hmm. back in the oil, and then mix it all together. Yeah, they don't even have to be toasted. Mm-hmm. Because, so, again, we're going to toast it in the oil. Okay. So we were talking about your grocery shopping, shopping habit. Mm. Um, you go into your grocery, uh, your Japanese grocery store. And is that where you found this amazing yuzu? Yuzu kosho. So, <laughs> I, so I know. Well, kosho <laughs> means pepper and yuzu is the okay. fruit. So it's like as soon as you get that part, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, kosho. I know that one. Um, no, actually, the first time I, I had it was when I was a pastry chef. And this was maybe... 15 years ago in Los Angeles and we would use it. The chef would use it in savory food, but our pastry chef would also put it on the menu. It was really good with cherries over ice cream, just like a tiny bit. It was just kind of like a hot chili cherry over vanilla ice cream. It was delicious. Um, 
But it's one of those condiments that, you know, I don't reach for it every day. And I certainly don't call for it in all my recipes because I understand that it is not widely available. But it is something worth talking about. And I would love to encourage people to seek it out. It's, you know, a small thing that you can buy that will go a long way. It's kind of like the first time you discovered harissa or preserved lemons or anchovies. Kind of like a a pantry staple that is becoming a little bit more widely available at least where I live. And, you know, I think the only way it will become popular is if people talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not, it's nothing fancy in itself. I mean, it's a bit fancy at the moment because nobody knows what it is. Right, right. But it is, it is nothing fancy in and of itself because it is, it's just a little jar of chili paste. It's not necessarily that expensive and a little bit goes a long way. And it's just kind of like one little cute secret technique. And you could take salt and pepper carrots Roast them in the oven with some oil, just very basic, and then finish them with a dab of yuzukosho, and they will be spectacular. And so it's that kind of cooking. It's it's one technique or one ingredient that kind of takes something from basic and everyday to feeling a little bit special. But without much effort and without 28 ingredients or 72 steps or 18 days of your time, I feel like it's just sometimes all it takes is one little thing. After the short break, we find out how Alison is getting on with that salsa and how nothing fancy is all about love. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. So you're just taking the, the chili, the garlic, uh, and the nuts out of the oil. You're going to let it cool just a little bit, and then you're going to put it in the magi mix. Yeah? yeah, correct. So I'm just going to kind of puree it into a coarse paste with a little bit of the oil. And then um, depending on the size of your blender or food processor, this is a, a little guy. So I'm going to keep most of the oil out and just add it back in afterwards. Okay. But that oil, you could keep that oil, couldn't you? Oh, yeah, it's going amazing. It's going in. Oh, it's all Oh, going yeah, in. we're going to use it all for sure. Okay, okay. Now, one of the things I loved about your book is that you talk about, you know, entertaining versus love. Mm-hmm. I, I also hate entertaining. I hate I, that word. The idea of it is it's anathema to me. Terrible. But I love to feed people. Same. And that is really what the book is about, isn't it? Correct, yeah. So, you know, I realized that I feel like the reason people were afraid to cook for others is that they felt like they had to perform or they felt like they had to somehow do something different than they typically would for a regular, you know, Monday night or go out of their way and plan and, and, you know, do something extra and stressful. And my whole thing is that it shouldn't be. And it's just a really nice way to extend yourself to people and open up your home and cook for them is a really just generous way to say like, I like you, I love you, I care about you. And I care about myself because it's, it's nice to do this in your own home. Like the, if you've ever been to a dinner or a birthday at a restaurant and there's 14 people at a table and you never talk to anybody else other than the person you're sitting next to, it's my nightmare. And I much prefer the loudness, the messiness, the imperfection of doing something in your home. So our chilies, our garlic, our nuts are really kind of finely chopped. Oh, that smell is delicious. Yeah, it smells amazing. And this is a real personal preference. I like it a little bit chunkier and textured. I like the bites of toasted chili and the nuts and the garlic. But if you're more of a very creamy, smooth puree salsa person, then go for it. You can do that as well. The point is that you can do whatever you want. That's true. And that is definitely the moral of the story here with this and pretty much everything that I cook in, in that I feel like if I am too, you know, if, if I become a dictator and I say, Oh, you have to do it this way. You can only use hazelnuts. You can only use these chilies. 
then chances are you're not going to make it because it's not available to you or you can't find it or you don't like it. And yeah. I'm trying to be as inclusive as humanly possible. Yeah. And you are a real poster girl for that, aren't you? You're sort of, you do all that beautiful aesthetic stuff. You do the aspirational lifestyle, but it's, as you say, nothing fancy. Yeah. And, and, and it's, but the key to it, and I think the thing that I have taken away from your book is these rather lovely little ingredients. They're great finds. And I think that we will always need yeah. people to find these things on our behalf. Right, exactly. And, you know, I love these types of chilies and the yuzu kosho and all that as much as I love a lemon or a head of lettuce or a hunk of Parmesan. I think that there's beauty and and interesting things to be had and even the most simple ingredients. It just depends on how you treat them. Yeah. So you're taking that lovely salsa out of um, the, the the mixer and you're putting it back into the pan to mix with the oil. Correct. Yeah. yeah just so we were running out of space in there. But if I were using a larger blender, you could put it all in there. Yeah. Fine. Okay. So now I'm just going to season it with salt. That's quite a lot of salt, isn't it? It is. But you're going to know why when you taste it. You, need, you really need it. I think that a lot of people under season their food. Uh-huh. It's a tragedy to me. Okay. And then I'm going to add some vinegar. I like to use either a white distilled vinegar or an apple cider vinegar. Mm, Something that has like a, just a very high acidity to it. Yeah. It's going to be very, very zingy this one, mm-hmm. isn't it? I'm going to taste it. Mmm. So we're, what we left is, is the steak. Yes, yeah, we're just going to sear it really quickly so okay. it stays nice and pink and rare in the middle. And then we're going to slice it and pour our salsa over it. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. So you're just literally lifting these gorgeous seasoned mm-hmm. uh, steaks in and you're going to put it into some very, very hot oil. Extremely hot oil, yes. Here we go. Lovely. And if you had a grill, you could absolutely grill these, yeah. but... You know, where I live in New York, it's hard to come by. So um, I prefer the stove top. Yeah. And then it is as simple as, it's what, how long would that take? These would probably take, you know, three-ish minutes per yeah. side, if that. And then put them on a plate. And then we're going to slice it and cover it with the salsa and eat it with tortillas and avocado and onion. It's going to be delicious. Thanks for listening to the Delicious Podcast and the last in the book series sponsored by Hive.co.uk. You can listen back to here Gennaro Contaldo, Keris Matthews, Mira Soda, Donald Skeen, Kim Joy, Ching and Fergus Henderson on your podcast app or at deliciousmagazine.co.uk slash stories slash podcasts. And you can buy all those books at Hive.co.uk using the discount code DELICIOUS10 to get your 10% off. We're taking a week off, but we'll be back warming up Christmas on November the 7th with Gil Meller in the first episode of our Delicious Chats with food stars including Rick Stein, Peter Gordon, the hairy bikers Ken Hom, Bosch and more.
Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.